You are listening to the Takedown Notice, conferencing on Google Hangouts, available for download on iTunes. This week's featured artists, Foster the People, Nico Case, and you too. So you guys, today I was, um, I was sad to get the news that they announced the cast for the new Star Wars movie and I didn't end up getting a call. I was hoping that the, I was hoping that the whole delay in not getting a call was because they were waiting to call me and say, "Hey Nate, you want to be in Star Wars Episode 7? And it turns well, out that's because Jabba the Hutt is CGI. Oh, oh man. boy! Wow. No love. And on that note, welcome to Episode <laughs> Seven of the Takedown Notice. Uh, where, man, who who let this new guy in here, man? Uh, we're a Speaking podcast. of assholes, I hear that part of the Sarlacc pit went to Will's asshole, so <laughs> I guess Will did get that call back in a way that was maybe not expected by everyone, so congratulations. Hey, you know, a SAG card is a SAG card, what can That's I say? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Anything to get insurance. Yep. Okay, uh, on that note, welcome to the Takedown Notice. Uh, my name is Nate Owens, coming to you from Kansas. I am joined by John Van Valkenburg in Ohio. What's going on? Aaron Van Valkenburg in New York. Hey. Uh, Ryan Steiner in Washington. The state of Washington, not the, the state. Yes, Washington State. Jeez, not that fetid right. swamp. Yes. Um, and also joined for the first full episode by a new challenger who approached at the end of our last episode, Will Farnham in Florida. Will, say hi to everyone. Which is a fetid swamp. It is a fetid swamp, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's the truth. Uh, Will, you're new, so we're going to break you in here. Tell us what you've been listening to lately. Well, I've been uh, listening mostly to a couple of kind of power pop songs on repeat over and over that both prominently feature whistling. Uh, <laughs> the first of which is The Walker by Fitz and the Tantrums. Ooh, crazy what they think about me. And uh, it kind of got stuck in my head before I gave up music for Lent. Sorry to music ruin the magic there, but Lent just ended. And, yes, it's uh, true. And then the other one was was Pumpin' Blood by No No No, and because I could whistle them, they got stuck in my head, and uh, and they're still there. We went and saw a production of of Monty Python's Spamalot, and the ending song is "Always Look on the Bright Side of Life," which has a lot of whistling. Mm. And so I've been I've actually whistled more out loud than I do in any normal month recently, because it, it has the audience participate. So. Very nice. So yeah, cool, very cool. Will, we want to, we do want to welcome Will here, joining us for the first time. Uh, it's exciting to have a fifth, uh, a fifth wheel in our yes. uh, in our group here. <laughs> Honored to be here. Yeah, thoroughly useless, and that's the way we like it. <laughs> um, As it should. John, be. how about you? What have you been listening to? Well, I actually had been listening to a little bit of the. I, I've listened to that no 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 song a couple times. So well done, Will. I've been listening to. Uh, the album Win the Night by St. Lucia um, or however you say it St. Lucia um, Santa Lucia Lucia yeah. Lucia <laughs> um, I was actually hearing about that and heard it was, heard it was pretty good I, I'm a big fan hmm. uh, yeah. Elevate is a really good song also um, I really like the mood of the song Before I Ever Met You by Banks um, that was pretty cool. And then going back to my my roots, uh, 
definitely been listening to a ton of Journey, um, Greatest Hits 1. Um, just, it's, it's awesome. And then some other indie stuff, some Armin Van Buren. I had never heard of this Sin Cole. I literally had never heard of that, but um, I liked an Avicii edit that uh, was done called Miami 82 is the song, and it was really cool. So um, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's... A small taster at any rate. A a little uh, appetizer. Yes. Yeah, cool. Well, I've been listening to... um... Uh, right, right is actually just as we were recording our last uh, last episode, or maybe it was the time before that. I forget. But um, Ryan informed me that uh, Jack White had a new song out from an album that's coming out in June, and the song is called Highball Stepper, and it's just an instrumental track released as a as a YouTube clip on his YouTube channel. But it's a it's a, it's a pretty hot track. I'm listening to that a lot. And then it inspired me to go back and listen to his first solo album, Blunderbuss, uh, which is really, really great. And then it, I went into a, a huge tailspin of listening to all his other stuff by the White Stripes and the Raconteurs and and so on and so forth. So that's been an, uh, that's been in the old CD player for me slash phone slash iPod. So uh, the other one I'm, I'm going to mention, you know, you guys were mentioning, all those of you who have uh, four-year-old girls are mentioning that you've been listening to the Frozen soundtrack, and I f- briefly thought, oh, hey, I, at least I have a four-year-old boy and I don't have to listen to Frozen. And then I realized that my version of Frozen is actually Michael Jackson's Thriller. because <laughs> That's not fair. It, it's not fair, but it's not fair to have to listen to it as much as I actually do. I, I, I think I know the ins and outs of Wannabe starting something much better than I ever thought I would at this point in my life. Uh, and I don't I don't mind that. That's I mean, well, okay. I should say I don't mind that in theory. In practice, I'm getting a little tired of it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not so bad. Things, things could be worse, right? I could be listening to the actual song thriller over and over again. Oh, wait, mm-hmm. I'm doing that too. <laughs> so... Yeah, but you know, it's not so bad. This is the life of having a four-year-old, I guess. So Will's the only one who can brag to all of us now about not having yeah, to listen to... free and easy. Haven't even gotten Frozen out of Redbox yet, so... Right. Will's <laughs> listening to Frozen nonstop, but that's a good <laughs> choice. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then also I've been listening... I, I came back and revisited uh, Arcade Fire's new album, Reflector, um, which is a, a great album, kind of a dense one, a little... A little um, I think I underrated it when I heard it for the first time last fall, but now I'm kind of on this side of it, and I've really been uh, plowing into that and enjoying it. So, um, that I think that's what I've been what I've been into. Uh, Ryan, let's talk to you now. What have you been listening to? Uh, well, writing on your coattails from the previous episode, you brought up Bruce Springsteen, and I had always meant to listen to Bruce. Uh, and so when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna finally listen to this guy, see what it's all about. And uh, Bruce Springsteen is God, and I, I they do call him the boss. They do call. He's him gotten a promotion, was what I was thinking. Yeah, he's <laughs> not just the he's boss. Moved up he's, from boss to God. Yeah, he's a capital T, capital B, the boss. Like I don't know, Born to Run is like a perfect album. It's perfect. There's nothing wrong with it. I can't find anything wrong with it. It's amazing, and I, I've just listened to it nonstop 
I I didn't mention it just because I mentioned it the last couple of times. But it's it's been played a lot for me too, and I think that, um, you know, it's it's really strange to to discover because it's a universally classic album. I mean, you know, it's like anyone who's knows a lot about rock music is going to say, yeah, Born to Run's a classic, and it has been for 40 years. And what's weird now is to approach it from this side of just discovering it, you know, in, in 2014 is like, boy, where have I been? And then it's right. like, cause you, and if, if you really are latching onto it, you have to like tell them, hey, have you heard this album? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> sure, I've heard it, you know. And so I, I think that's, I actually blogged about this, it's, it's weird to approach a classic from this side, but I think that in some ways it actually means it's a little more vital than a lot of times the term classic lets on, so. Yeah, the real classics have kind of a timeless quality, and Born to Run is certainly one of those. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, would agree. Aaron, let's go to you. Uh, what have you been listening to lately? I listened to the Foss of the People newest album, Supermodel. It was very, very, very good right up front. I think it was probably slightly weaker at the back end of the album, but it was the first half of the album was just spectacular. Um, I was very surprised by it because listening to Coming of Age, I liked it, but um, it's actually not too much better than any of the other songs in the first half. I think it's just a very solid thing. We can probably save some of that for later. Yeah, I have, I have more to add to that conversation, but yeah, let's we'll, we'll save that for going forward. But Very cool. Alright, well, I, that's all of us. Let's go ahead and um, John, you picked uh, Coming of Age. You want to tell us a little bit about it? Tell us why you picked it? It's just an awesome song. Um, I first heard it, um, and I'm a little embarrassed to hear this to say this, but I first heard it just like on the radio, and I was like, "Oh, that's not that's a cool song." Thank God for uh, the uh, text over radio, which told me exactly who it was because people that are DJs now don't even actually tell you who is playing on the radio uh, anymore. Um, so I went back and I was like, "Oh, that's Foster the People." I remember them from you know their first album, but I didn't. It didn't sound a whole lot like them. So I went back and listened to the album, and um, Coming of Age was just a, it's just a fun song. I'm a big Killers fan, and this is kind of reminiscent of Killers. So I, I think that's why I, that's why I went with it. It's a solid song at the beginning of what Aaron was saying. Like I said, it's a very, very solid first half of an album. I mean, ridiculously solid. I mean, I think yeah. they have at least four. Uh, potential good singles and I think they'll probably end up with five radio play um, off the album so um, very solid sophomore effort I started listening to the song Coming of Age and it sounded like a good kind of, you know, kind of ethereal, a little bit indie rock type of thing. But I think um, the diversity of this group is, is interesting. There's lots of interesting percussion uh, earlier on in the album. And I, I think this, I, I think I always say this, but like, I like the song, especially as part of the album also. Um, so right. it's a good single and it was just, a, it was really nice. I think it's third track or something like that. And, uh, um, liked it from the beginning. Not not much bad I can say about it. My only familiar familiarity with Foster the People before this song was most people's familiarity, which is Pumped Up Kicks, the single off their first album. And they had a second single as well, and the name is escaping me because I should have looked it up before I started talking, but that's just not how I roll. Um, 
but uh, the, you know, and they both had sort that of, they were they're catchy songs and they're, they're they're pretty well executed. They have a sort of um, they have this quality to them that's almost a little gimmicky, and I think that you know there's like this kind of this kind of bouncy whistling sound to it, and I think that that I mean it's 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 like this kind of candy music you know it's like it's immediately appealing and then it's like okay i'm a little bit done now this song does not have that quality nearly as strongly but it's still a really strong song and so i feel like this is actually has a little more a little more staying power to it and i liked it uh it was it was a little less slick and a little less cutesy than the other than the the two big singles off their first album and i think i, I think i appreciated that in this now i didn't get a chance to go through the whole album myself but um i did really appreciate it so it was it was a good song. Will, I want to know what you think of it. Um, I'm beginning to think maybe I should have given it a little more of a chance and, and gone and listened to the whole album. Um, I don't dislike it. I had heard it before John mentioned it. Um, I've I've gotten really kind of hooked on the the top 50 alternative playlist on uh, iTunes radio. And that's been on there for a number of weeks now. Um, and I heard it a few times. And after a while, kind of started skipping it. And, um, and then when John talked about it, I I didn't even recognize the song he was talking about until I went back. I was like, oh, I had no idea this was Foster the People. So I gave it, you know, I, I kept listening to it some more and it honestly wasn't until probably the eighth or ninth listen since John mentioned it last time on the drive home this evening that I found myself kind of <laughs> singing along and thinking it was kind of catchy. Um... That's it was fine <laughs> before that. So I'm I'm hearing you guys talk, so maybe I just need to hear it in context. Um I Yeah, just... maybe. I, I think I, I'm only listening to it comparing it to their first to their first couple singles. Well, and that so. was kind of my experience with them too, was just pumped up a kicks. Um and which I which I enjoyed, but in that almost kind of like mumblecore novelty way. Um Yeah. It, it does have a very kitschy kind of sheen to it, which it, it works in its favor immediately and then works against it in the long term, I think. Right. And this song, and this song doesn't have that same quality. It is. It, it does remind me of The Killers too, John. You mentioned that comparison, and I, I hear that too. So in, in that sense, maybe it's a little less unique than the first couple singles, but maybe that's not always a bad thing. So. Yeah, like I said, it, it's enjoyable. I, I found myself singing along. It's got, it's got a little good hook. I, there were a few lines in it I really enjoyed. Um... The, I seem to hurt the people that care the most line kind of tied in thematically with our Nico Case song on discussion later. Um, oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, we'll have to come back to that. Let's put a pin in that and yeah, and jump back in that right later. I will say that, I mean, I chose it because that was the one I was the most familiar with. Um, and I'd been giving it a, you know, the album a listen, but I hadn't you know, kind of dove in headfirst and actually listened with... You know, watching what track was playing, etc. I honestly think it's probably not even the best single now. Uh, after giving the whole album multiple listens, um, I would probably give Nevermind the uh, top notch on there. But I, th- I think yeah, I think, um, and I mentioned it before, and you you reiterated it, um, Nate, that the Killers feel I think is probably the reason why I jumped into it, and it actually feels a lot more like. Um, the killers from day and age um okay more than like hot fuzz um, yeah the i i actually 
I, I don't want to say I bailed on the killers after Samstown because I liked Samstown, but I never really got into much past Samstown. Like I meant to get, it was just, Day and Age was an album I kept meaning to get and never got around to it. And Fantastic album. Yeah, it, it is good. I've gone back and listened to it a couple times now and I do like it. I didn't live in that one like I did the first two, I think. I get what you so. mean. Samstown was a little bit. Samstown's a, a weird album. <laughs> it was a weird album. It was a departure from the what made everybody fall in love with the Killers, and right. I think some people took offense to that. So, right. but we didn't come to talk about the Killers, at least not yet, anyway. So it reminded me of you too in a, in a strange way. This song did, and I don't know if anyone else thought of that. Just kind of the the atmosphere that was created um, with this. Like it wouldn't have been completely surprising to hear hear Bono singing this. I'd say lyrically, it, it um, structural-wise, could definitely be a part of a U2 clone. Um, I won't go as far as saying that it sounds like U2, but I think that um, I think it yeah. could be it could be something that could be compared. Yeah, yeah, that never occurred to me. But uh, just reading through the lyrics as you say that, the, just like an animal, I protect my pride. I'm too bruised to fight, and even I'm wrong, I tend to think I'm right. That that's a Bono lyric right there. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that last one really is. <laughs> that's true. I hadn't even thought of that. Huh? And I think it's more that it's also just the timbre of the voice with that kind of kind of atmospheric background. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a little less direct, and I think you two trades in usually but yeah i i do think that the timbre of the voice there is a similarity there i think um i actually it reminded me a lot of coldplay which i don't usually say that is a good thing but it reminded me of the good coldplay songs so that's always nice yeah it was good yeah was, yeah perfectly cromulent you know i liked it let's go ahead and move on to the next song uh well i'm i'm deciding it's the next song because it's my song and that is hold me thrill me kiss me kill me uh, Uh, this uh, okay. I, I I should I should preface this a little bit um, because I have a lot of history with the guys in this podcast, especially um, Aaron, John, and Ryan, who I went to college with, and Will Will and I were friends in high school, and um, when and then we stopped being friends for a long time, and we've 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 since <laughs> made up. Enemies. We've since made up in the last week or two here, just just in time for this podcast. But um, when I was when I was in college, I discovered you two uh, digging into. I went through the best of the 1980 to 1990 stretch and I, I i got into that album and then i it was one of those moments where i just it was a uh, it something about it resonated very deeply with me and i bought all their stuff and became this enormous kind of borderline obnoxious fan and these guys will probably say hey he went way past the borderline side of it and it was it, you know and it's funny because when you hit a certain level of fandom with the band you're kind of associated with that band it's like oh yeah nate likes you too and that's that's just nate, that's kind of part of nate and I, I wouldn't put myself there anymore at all. I, I, I'm not in that place now as much as I was then. There's a, a few reasons for that. One of which is that they just, they don't release songs hardly ever anymore. They've, since we, I, I graduated from college nine years ago, they've released one album in that time, which is a really slow clip. They they keep threatening to release one 
this year, and, and then they there was a report, oh, it's not coming out till 2015, and then there was, no, no, it's coming out in 2014, and frankly, I'll believe it when I see it. And the one album they came out with, uh, No Line on the Horizon, was fine, but it's not a five-year wait good kind of album. And um, and so I've, I, I don't want to necessarily say I've cooled on them so much as I've just, I'm not really in that place anymore. Uh, but this song has kind of stuck with me, and there's a couple of reasons for it. One is that it's one of the first U2 songs I knew, which is <laughs> strange to say, but it's from the Batman Forever soundtrack, and I heard it with that. Um, and then the other side of it is that it's very, it's sort of a typical, not I don't want to say typical, but it's very indicative of where they were when the song came out, which is 1995. It's much more experimental, kind of a, a sleazy kind of sound to it. Um, there's a lot of, you hear a lot of Bowie there, uh, and just sort of a, a nightmarish menacing kind of thing that they went for. And they were okay with treading those waters in the nineties. And one of the things I think that cooled me on them now is that they seemed content to basically forget that the nineties happened for them. Um, they've moved, they moved back to the sort of safe, big anthem kind of stuff, which they're good at. And there's a reason that they're good at it because they do it, they do it with conviction and with, uh, with talent. But it does kind of feel, um, it has always felt a bit like a retreat to me. And so this song is kind of a signpost of like, that's a that's a really great song they did. And it's I, I, it's still one of Bono's best lyrics, who at his best, he's a, quite a gifted lyricist. And at his worst, he's, he's really cringeworthy. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of why I stuck with it. I really love just that, that riff that comes in, um, that, that the Edge does. And the Edge is a good technician and guitarist, which is why he does a lot of memorable stuff like that. And it's, so it's just a really nice, heavy hook that comes in there. Um, I love the lyrics. There's a, My favorite line is, um, they want you to be Jesus, so go down on one knee, but they'll want their money back when you're alive at 33. And I'm... I'm a big fan of that line because I think that's very indicative of, of them as a band and that sort of uh, messianic overtones that Bono has kind of flirted with over their career. And so I I, I think that that's, uh, that's why I liked it. It's kind of a, a self-knowing uh, track and just a really fascinating one musically. So that's why that's why I went with that one. Uh, I'm curious to know what you guys thought of it, if, if you as if you hadn't heard it already. You know, this is a, this is a pretty familiar one, I think, for most of us here, but I'm uh, I, I want to know you guys' thoughts. I had actually not heard this song, but I listened to it and thought, man, this sounds so familiar. And I was thinking, this just sounds like a Weird Al song. And I had no idea that Weird Al's uh, cavity surge was <laughs> parodying the song. And, and actually, I always thought, man, that's like one of Weird Al's best songs. And it was original song. And I was just always amazed <laughs> at how, like, you know, musically interesting that song was. So it was kind of uh, eye-opening. And it made me like you too. I'm always just kind of whatever on you two they're they're there they're fine um and but yeah i i liked it it was nice to hear that that source come in and and now i can sing the actual chorus instead of the weird al lyrics it um, I, so I could probably a do a nice whole podcast on songs that i knew the weird al version of first 
And then I heard the actual song later on, and I'm like, oh, those are the real words. And this, actually, now that I think about it, this might have been one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, so. it's just so completely divorced from the Weird Al song. Like, usually right. you can tell, like, oh, he's parodying something. But th- these aren't really related at all. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a good song. It's got a nice, it's it's a weirdly catchy hook, because yeah. it's not much of a hook, but it still gets in your head in, a, yeah. in like, that weird, sleazy, like, greasy kind of way. Uh, so it just gets in there, which I, I really like that part of it. Um, yeah, it was a good song. I was surprised. I, I don't usually, like I said, I don't usually like you 2 but that one's, this is pretty good. Yeah, I, I think the riff is very memorable. And even the, after the riff, there's this kind of repetitive, uh, and it's a sleazy sounding kind of repetitive uh, riff, this kind of like secondary riff that's going it's, on. It's almost a drone a kind drone of, tap- kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's in happening the in the background. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's good for the atmosphere. I, I think I get a little tired of it, the riff and the drone, pretty quickly for me. But I still like the song, and I think with you 2 honestly, though they do some good atmospheric stuff, I, I think it's Bono that makes U2 for me. Even on this song, I mean, his vocals are very expressive, the way he goes between just a normal kind of range to sliding up into a higher kind of falsetto or something like that very expressive and i went back and listened to some other u2 and just for me every time i listen to some of those great bono tracks i'm just like yeah there's the band but man bono is the reason this and that's such an easy thing to say but for for me the the riff and all that stuff which is very memorable gets pretty old pretty quickly but bono makes the song work for me still so well, you know, one, I think when I first heard the song, I think one thing that this is this is going to sound weird, but to my you know conservative Christian upbringing, what scandalized me a little bit is the bridge where Bono is giving these. It can only be described as orgasmic sounds. Because, and, and that's I, I'm sure that's what it's meant to hearken to, knowing mid '90s U2. But I think that there was something I vaguely kind of. It, you know, it, it ties into that dirty sound that the whole song has, and I, I, and that's a that's something that not a lot of singers can really pull off because you have to sound a little silly to do it. And Bono's never had a problem with looking a little silly and sounding a little mm-hmm. silly. And I think because he's willing to own that, he 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 sells it. Yeah, you're right. There's a th- there's a reason the band became big, and it's not because of uh, Larry Mullen. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Will, how about you? Well, it's hard for me to talk about this song divorced from the soundtrack in of itself i mean the soundtrack was how i got introduced not only to u2 but um to a lot of music i now listen to it introduced me to hip-hop by means of the riddler by method man it introduced me to the flaming lips and to nick cave Yeah, I forgot. It, it was a great soundtrack. I forgot about a lot of the stuff that was on there. Yeah. Um, to Michael Hutchins and thereby in excess. Um, Did it have that um, that Seal song, Kissed by a Rose? Was you know, I, I'm not sure I remember that one. That might have been on the Batman and Robin soundtrack. which No, was it was not, definitely on this soundtrack. It, it was on this one because I like that yes. song a lot too. No, I'm it, glad it, it was wasn't on Batman and Robin. <laughs> I, I just try to gloss over that one at this point. Um but as far as a, a track by itself, uh, pulling it away from that emotional context, because like I said, this was my gateway to music. 
Um, and really, it only became so because I was allowed to have the soundtrack because my parents had seen the movie and approved of it. Um, <laughs> That's fine. And yeah. but the the track itself, I've I've always enjoyed it. Um, once I got into U two, it seemed like a kind of a strange track to me because I didn't, you know, I I kind of like you got into the eighty to ninety best of stuff, and this didn't sound like like it doesn't have that kind of char- characteristic edge sound. Um, no, there's no there's no chiming guitar and big anthemic right. chorus. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I should say that the anthemic chorus is there, but it's it's done in sort of a perverse way. It's not the it's it, it's not the big soaring thing you get with the with the '80s songs. You're right. That's definitely true. But it's still, I I think it's a great track. I I enjoyed kind of getting back into it, um, and then just kind of mix it up occasionally. I I would go back and forth between this and Mel Carter's "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me," um, which uh, just to because clearly that's what they're trying to reference, and it's uh, they have absolutely nothing in common, but um, right. <laughs> but it makes for a, for a fun exercise. Huh, that's fascinating. John, do you have anything you wanted to add? The video of Weird Al's uh, cavity search is one of the most scary videos <laughs> I've ever seen. I love Weird Al. I'm not a hater. I I I I dig Weird Al. Um, but I had never seen that video. Holy crap. So anyway, that's, that's, uh, just FYI. Um, good to know. Oh man. So, um, you two, I have a, I have an interesting relationship with you two. One, I heard it nonstop whenever I came into Aaron's room, uh, which was also Nate's room. We should, we should clarify more importantly, Nate's room. Yes. Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> let's be honest here <laughs> yeah but i i remember um i I, sp- I do remember this one specifically from the batman forever because at the time i was like oh my gosh it was the first batman i got to actually see in theaters um because one i was old enough and uh two it wasn't rated r so my parents allowed me to see it and i did i'm like will i mean i spent a lot of time with will at this time and so, yes, we definitely got some listening of some of our musical tastes from uh, listening to albums like this. This one, while it's still not a bad song, is really low on my totem pole of songs that I like from you too. This one kind of drops. Um, I mean, it's, you know, for me, it's below like the sweetest thing and stuff. So, um, which I know it's, it's not there. Uh, that's not very, you know, uh, anthemic or anything, but it's, you know, those, those are the kind of ones that I dig now the most is, uh, you know, the more anthemic, um, mm-hmm. more typical U2. Um, yeah. And I, although I know, do love Sunday, bloody Sunday. Well, um, I, I would, I would argue that is pretty typical U2. Just it's more typical of its time than maybe where they ended up. I, you know, I, I think that it, it's a song I forget about for two reasons. One, because it doesn't sound like really any of the other stuff. Really, I mean, you, you hear a lot, it's got some of the same influences they used in Octune Baby, but the second half of that is that it's not on any of their albums, and so yeah. if, usually if I'm listening to something by them, I'm listening to an album. And, and I'd be um, curious to know if they were contacted and asked to write a song for the soundtrack, or whether this was just a B-side. Um, actually, I can answer that. Um, awesome. They actually did write the song during the sessions for Octune Baby, um, and that is indicated actually on the cover for Zuropa, which was the next album and was composed of a lot of songs that were written for the Octane Baby Sessions, but 
then were recorded for Zuropa. On the cover of Zuropa, there's uh, there's lines of text behind the main image of the little lemonhead baby thing, and yeah. those are there's four songs there, and those are song titles that they worked on and didn't finish, and one of those is "Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me." Awesome. Okay, I was just say because if if it was written directly for Batman Forever, it works perfectly. I mean, it fits the mood of this of the of the movie. Um, I do kind of see the Octung uh, Octung Baby uh, connection, so I, I I can get that. So I mean. Again, I I like the song, but for me it's like it's one of the lower rung, and I think part of that is exactly what you said, Nate, is that it's not on any of their albums, so I have to search it out, either through mm-hmm. like a greatest hits, or um, which I think that it made it on one of those. It did. Hits it, it made it on the the nineteen ninety to two thousand hits collection, which is a far less less consistent effort than the first one for a right. lot of reasons it's it, there's a lot of head scratchers on that but that one did make it and it, it, it belonged on there i think so or i have to search out the batman forever soundtrack which oddly enough was not on spotify when i looked um yeah. i i tried to there find it so i could go back and say i want to listen to this with the collection of other songs that they threw it together with right um just for nostalgia purposes right but i couldn't find it uh, maybe I'm an idiot, but um, maybe you are. Yeah, I know. I shouldn't have even <laughs> thrown that out there. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. Um, fun fact: in college, we had completely different friend sets, even if we were in the same. We were friends, um, and I constantly had to defend you two's glory against that of Dave Matthews. Oh. Yes, yes. Dave Matthews Band was the band that people were trying to say was ten times better than U2. And so that's what I think of when I think of U2 in college, is I think (laughs) I had to defend against Dave Matthews Band, which I like Dave Matthews Band. We actually just lost a lot of listeners, I bet, first of all, by talking (laughs) about U2, and second of all, by then arguing which is better, U2 or Dave Matthews Band, and we just lost all of our listeners. I thought it was Aaron's taste that was going to send everyone away, but we were wrong. It turns out it was mine. turns out it was me and John. It was was a team effort, I think. No, no, I just – it was an interesting – it's an interesting thing that my friends would always try to – one side, one group was, you know, huge Dave Matthews Band fans, and the other were U2 and it's they like, like had like a you know, like a war. It's like Tupac and Biggie. I, was like, I love you all. Let's let's just let's just listen. That's really so. funny. Yeah, you're not you're not going to find a lot of people who are openly U2 fans on the internet anymore. Although I think that that's more just backlash than actual them. No, sucking. have have you listened to uh, you talking U2 to me, the Scott Ackerman? I haven't Adam yet. Scott podcast. I, I should. I need to get around to it. But I it's haven't great. Yet. They're unapologetically. U2 fans and they I you know I follow both of them on Twitter and they're always retweeting people that are like yeah I love you too too so I don't okay. know maybe well, it's making put that a on my listen list way. and until then I'm gonna go ahead and kick it over to you Ryan to talk about Nico Case's song Yeah, uh, the song I chose was Hold On, Hold On by Nico Case from her, I believe it's her second album, well, second proper album, Box Confessor, Brings the Flood. Uh, I chose this one because I was listening to Nico Case a couple weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, and 
while we were doing the podcast, I hadn't realized it till I thought of it, but I was just singing it in my head the whole time. So that's why I chose it. But it's one that always gets in my head, and it's just a, a haunting kind of song. Um, I really love. I like the lyrics a lot. It's it's pretty simple and straightforward, but that first the first two lines, the most tender place in my heart is for strangers. I know it's unkind, but my own blood is much too dangerous. Uh, really sets the tone for kind of that song and the whole album and it always makes me I don't know, puts me in a different place than a lot of other music Um, and it's just got a real I don't know, kind of an edge to it in a weird way, but what'd you guys think? I'm a huge Nico Case fan Um, I got into her through the new pornographers and uh, and just got into her solo work from hearing her voice there and Always been a huge fan. Um, I think her cover of Running Out of Fools on Blacklisted is one of the greatest country songs ever recorded, hands down. Um, Yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, and it, I mean, that song in particular, like, that's how Aretha should have done it. (laughs) And. Uh, so yeah, I think hold on, hold on is, is a a great example of kind of what makes her unique that it, whenever I try to think of an adjective to describe her voice and kind of vocal style when she's at her strongest, it's just haunting. Yeah. And, um, so this has the same kinds of, you know, haunting both melody and production and also it's got those just real deep emotional ties um, with war- lyrics that are like a little bit nonsensical if you're just looking at them but somehow when you hear them sung they just grab you when you know what she means and this is a just highly representative of her as an artist and uh, and was was I hadn't I don't listen to Fox Confessor Brings the Flood as, as often as I listen to some of the other stuff just because that's how it turned out and so it was good to get back into it um, as a result of you. Yeah, speaking of her covers, the um, her live album, she has a cover of Rated X by Loretta Lynn originally, and that's a great cover as well. It is. It's, it's, that's, really, uh, it's really outstanding. That's a barn burner. I, I love that song. So here, here's my confession. I have known of Nico Case for a long time, and you know, it's in that file of, oh, I'll get to that, I'll get to that, and I never had. And in my head, she sounded like Bjork, which, which is, <laughs> which is, if you've listened to Nico Case, it's like, well, that's nothing like what she sounds like. And it's just funny that that is what my head assumed. And so when I heard this song, I was like, oh, that's that's what Nico Case sounds like. And I really liked it. I'm I'm glad this is what it was because I I'm much more interested in it. I mean I, I I like Bjork well enough. That's not that's not meant as a slight on the on that fine Icelandic woman. Fine is a strong word maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> strong indeed. Strong indeed. But uh, you know it's I, I I did really like this, and I actually it did cause me to dig in and and go back in some of her uh, some of her back catalog that I I just had gone by me completely and i i've really enjoyed it i really like that live album that had that cover of rated x on there that's a great album and it's a it's a punchy one too it's like a half hour album um yeah 
she's really great and i really like this song too just a th- and this is actually this is a good entry point will like you said it's very representative this is a good entry point because there's a lot of country influence in her music and it's a little less pronounced here it's there but less so here than maybe some of the other stuff and so i i think that i don't really have an aversion to that at this point in my life but i think that there are those who it would kind of sneak in for them if they were to start with at this point as opposed to another mm. one and so i i think that that's that's one thing i really liked about it i i, I thought it was a great track just really enjoyed it i i like this track a lot um i i think i liked i was just poking around spotify a little bit with nico case and night still comes uh i actually like that one a lot as well The other thing I, I thought was interesting from the beginning was the structural kind of layout of this. It's the, the lyrics, you, you get this opening set of lyrics. Um, the most tender place in my heart is for strangers. I know it's unkind, but my own blood is much too dangerous. And you get a repeated line hanging around the ceiling half the time. And that doesn't come, nothing like that really comes back. The music doesn't. And the fact that there's this repeated verse line, it feels like it's its own little refrain but then it's just dropped off and left. And then we later get a real refrain with that, the echo chorus lied to me with its hold on, hold on, etc. Um, and so it's kind of interesting how the song just kind of starts and almost fakes you out. You don't realize huh. it, but it's like, it's not going to come back to this. It's just going to start and give you some repetition, which usually in music, some repetition of that kind of thing is meaningful, but it's just kind of left. And I don't, but I don't think it makes the song bad. It just, it's just intriguing to me actually. So I, that was one of the first things I, um, I think it kind of works to, um, let you know what the context is, right? Like you, when I hear that in the first time I heard it, and I still think this, that it's about drugs, you know, and, and just the relationship to that. I mean, any kind of drug, narcotics or alcohol or whatever, um, and just the distancing effect that it has and can have. So I think that hmm. that refrain makes you pay attention because of the repetition. Um, and so it introduces the idea, it sets the topic and then, uh, but yeah, but either way, it's like, it's a really kind of unusual way for yeah. a song to start. And so that, you know, not knowing the song too much up front, I was looking at the lyrics and, you know, typing them up and stuff. And I, I didn't even know what, how to categorize, the lyrics and stuff in my mind so it took a while to figure out what's going on and still wrestling with exactly how to describe that structurally and so. i hadn't thought about it until you just mentioned it but it's it's kind of meta from a songwriting perspective hmm. that the lyrics of the actual chorus are that echo chorus lied to me with its hold on hold on that oh it, it starts with an echoed chorus <laughs> and then you got to hang on for it and it never comes back yeah interesting. no that's interesting yeah. um yeah, that's an interesting way of just kind of referencing your music in subtle ways. Um, that you know, that's good songwriting to be able to do creative ways to self-reference. So, definitely. Y'all really love Nico Case. Um, <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> oh boy. I, I didn't. Ha- I didn't have anything negative. It just was for me. It was in. This sounds like the opposite of everything that y'all are saying, but it was kind of forgettable for me. I mean, I listened to it and it was pleasant, and then I. It, there was no hook to me. Um, nothing that drove me back. I was like, oh, I got to listen to that again. Um, I listened to it lots with, you know, I made my little singles playlist 
uh, on Spotify so I could get myself, a, you know, accustomed to our our pieces. And it, I don't know. It just so, somehow it just ended up being the filler or maybe even like the like the orchestra starting up and tuning to hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me, which was second on the list. Um, and then, you know, my song, which I was ultimately familiar with at the end. Um, so I don't know whether it was just placement in the playlist, um, that, that killed it a little bit for me. Again, I, I, it was pleasant. I just didn't find it grabbing me like everyone else seems to have been so enamored. Well, I think, Um, I think it's kind of an, maybe goes back to the structural, uh, features of the the poetry slash the music i mean it's a little bit daring that might be a little too strong of a word but a little daring to start with something that you're going to leave behind um except for maybe with a really kind of subtle reference in the quote-unquote real chorus um so i think in that way it does kind of feel like you're just hearing stuff for a while and then you're like oh yeah i guess they did repeat something but like for a while you're not getting that repetition to balance yourself out in the song and i think if a lot of a lot of the music theory study i'm doing and stuff you know like conventions of form and expectations of this belongs here this belongs at the beginning this belongs in the middle that's a lot of how we process our music um and so in a way i could see that kind of throwing people off and maybe making it for some people may like you maybe more forgettable and for other people maybe it's intriguing or or makes it wonderful or something so yeah i mean i guess like i said i i i'm going to tr- experiment with it and i'm going to move it in the playlist um and just give it some some listens this week just not right at the beginning and see if that changes anything um maybe if i've already been kind of awakened by bono and his sex groaning um <laughs> that uh what a way to wake up <laughs> that I'll that's a be, perfect uh, descriptor good way to start the day yeah that i'll be uh wait wait be... can this episode be named bono's sex moans <laughs> that would be perfect there's Sorry. our title right there continue john <laughs> um then maybe then maybe it'll it'll uh, latch on a little bit easier um so i mean again i i'm not downplaying it whatsoever um I'd actually have, be I'd be interested to know what if you listen to the whole album um how you'd find it in the context of the rest of the album cuz that's I always find I have a hard time picking songs because I come to them I I mostly listen to whole albums you know Sure so I wonder if if that would um have a difference in the way you look at it not that I would really expect you to listen to a whole album of something that didn't really grab you but I'm always curious for that you know what well, the context I'm, I'm has happy to, to hear song. that I'm happy to hear that she is not similar to Bjork uh, because then I would, <laughs> I, I would I have throw no idea. my iPad out the window before I would I have, listen to that. I have no idea where I got that preconception either. I, I think it was strictly like, oh, that looks like a Bjork kind of album cover for one of her albums. <laughs> I don't know if there was any other thing that, that got me there. but Well, that an independent female vocalist. I mean, yes, yeah, they all look the same. Who thing. else is there? Yeah. <laughs> I was forced to listen to an entire Bjork album. Uh, by a former girlfriend, and I hated every minute of it. You've, you've suffered so, John. Yes. You've suffered. And speaking of suffering, we probably ought to put this thing to rest. Do you guys have anything else you say, want to say about Hold On, Hold On by Nico Case? Okay, sounds like we're done. 
and th- that means we're done with everything. We're done with the podcast. Not th- not all the podcasts. Just forever. This, yes, all the podcasts forever. You can't listen to any more. Even other podcasts you can't listen to. Uh, no, I'm 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 kidding, of course. This is just the end of episode seven of the Takedown Notice, and we thank you for listening. And I should have been doing this every episode, but I'd like to remind you, if you subscribe to our feed on iTunes, please leave us a review. We would love to hear back from you. Uh, you can email us at thetakedownnotice at gmail.com. And you can also visit us at takedownnotice.com, I believe now, right, Will? So it is thetakedownnotice.com. <laughs> they won a $900 for takedownnotice.com. Oh, okay. That, that wasn't going to happen. No, no. <laughs> thetakedownnotice.com, and you can reach our podcast website that way. We would love to hear from you, and we'd love to connect with you that way. And thank you very much once again for listening. Join us in Episode 8. We will be discussing uh, a playlist war that has been brewing between Will and Aaron over everyone's favorite band, especially Ryan's, Toto. So we will listen to you guys then, and we will hear back from uh, from all of us here at the Takedown Notice. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye.